I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. I'm joined today by frequent co-host Ed Freifogel. Hey Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Steve. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's a, a pleasant Friday morning. The week's gone pretty well. And yeah, I can't complain. Hey, Ed, I have a question for you. Where do you work? Not not like in what city or whatever, but physically, where are you located in terms of office space when you work? Well, I was going to make a little joke and say I mainly work in my mind, Steve. <laughs> In my head. Is that a lonely place? A very lonely workspace. <laughs> it can be pretty confusing sometimes and often frightening. Uh, I work in a spare bedroom in, in uh, my apartment. So we kind of converted it. We, we have a desk here and, and I got everything set up here. And actually, I've been doing that. That's not a COVID thing. I've been doing that for years now. Um, very occasionally, I used to go to co-working spaces for a day or a cafe or something or or you know work in the office someone else's office that lets me sit there for a couple hours or whatever just to try to get out of the house or if I dare to run but I like having everything you know I like it get it's so easy having everything at home also particularly because I, I deal with my kids so like you know in the morning getting them off school then is depending on their schedule either early in the afternoon or late in the afternoon they come home and usually I, I go get them so it's just super convenient. Um, Something's not adding uh, up here. Where's your podcast listening time if you don't have a daily commute? Well, it used to be when I went to the gym, but well, I don't miss commuting at all. At all, I used to be my routine used to be uh, take the kids to the bus in the morning, get them on the bus, and then go straight to the gym, and then I'd listen to the podcast while I'm at the gym. Uh, but now I don't really go to the gym because of COVID. So. You know, just I mean, I mean, now I do to go shopping. I do the grocery shopping and stuff, or you know, doing errands around the house, cleaning up the house, cooking stuff like that. So, and even pre-COVID, why were you not working from a co-working center or an office more often? I kind of like the separation of work and play. I do, but you know what? I I found I work. So I hate working on a laptop. I'm much less efficient if I'm on a laptop. So if you just go to a co-working space where you kind of drop in and hot desk, then you're working on a laptop, right? Or you have to rent a permanent space and then uh, and then you could have a monitor there and everything. But then it's like, you know, it, you're paying for the permanent space. And I don't know, I just never found a good co-working space I was that excited about. Also, um, in Barcelona, the cool co-working spaces, the, area, the neighborhood I'd want to be in is kind of on the other side of town. And so then that requires a commute. I mean, it's kind of more like down where you live, uh, Poblano in that area. And which it's really cool. It's just, it's on the wrong side of town. So to get there, then I have a commute. And and like I said, usually I would have to be back in the middle of the afternoon anyway to get my kids. So it's like, do I really need to add a 
one hour commute to my life. Right. You're actually paying money to make your life more miserable. Yeah. So, you know, I have about, I have about 10 different co-working centers I can walk to within 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, you have, you have, I mean, and some of them are really cool, really nice. And um, crazy. I went away for six months. As as regular listeners will know, that was not quite by choice. And when I came back, like new co working centers had sprung up all over the place, even in this time of COVID, even when they basically are mostly empty. It's incredible. I think every well, time an office closes down here, a co-working takes its place. They just make it a co-working. Well, you know, this is one of the predictions that this is the future of work in that we're going to be much more flexible. We're going to be a lot of people who have now gotten a taste of working from home have realized they like it. And also companies who previously were like, oh, no, it's impossible. Everyone needs to be in the office. They realize it's not impossible. Um, so the future is going to be, you know, mainly you work from home and maybe then companies meet for two days a week or whatever. And so under that scenario, it doesn't make sense maybe to have a permanent office instead they use a WeWork or some kind of co-working or things like that. Basically more flexibility. So I, future, I think that's what's coming. The future coming. is here. So what have you been up to, Steve? Well, the reason I asked you about this is because what I've been up to is finding an office. I have been working from home for a while and then my home office became my daughter's room. And we want to move to a bigger apartment so I can have a new room as an office, but COVID's made all that quite difficult at the moment. So as of two weeks ago, I've started working from a co-working center again. And I have to say, it's pretty strange in the time of COVID going to a co-working center. Everybody, I'm suspicious of everybody, like anybody out there could possibly infect me. Right, sure. Well, in Spain, that that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. But sorry, so one thing, the office, when you say an office, is it just for you or this is for the whole team? No, I actually struggled. It's just for me. It's just for me. And I struggled to find a private office. That would have been my preference. And the first couple of places I tried, they were either asking way too much money and trying to pretend that there was high demand when there wasn't, or they were just full. So maybe actually that does mean it's high demand. So eventually I took a, a desk in a big co-working cabin and because hardly anybody's there at the moment, I actually have a group of four desks to myself that are like an island from anywhere else. So I kind of feel it's good. And there's bottles of detergent, uh, hand disinfectant everywhere, and everyone's wearing masks and so on. You know, the normal COVID stuff. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And, and it's, so it's permanent. You can set up like a screen and stuff there. Yeah, or yeah I've taken a permanent there, desk, right? what they call a fixed okay. desk. Yeah, I like the hot desk and I don't like that. I like having my big monitors and uh, proper keyboard, exactly. not the little one on the on the laptop and so on. Just like a place where I can leave my stuff in a set location and come back to it tomorrow and pick up. Where yeah, well, that's it. Well, if, if, if and it's near near where you live? Yeah, 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes walk. And uh, See, that, it's, it's attached to that a cafe. That would appeal to me. It's attached to a cafe and the cafe gives half price on the coffees to members of the co-working. And I was already going to this place for coffees like three or four times a week anyway. So it's made the co-working cheaper than it would be if I wasn't no, a that, caffeine addict. Yeah, that is an ideal setup where you have a cool place with a permanent desk nearby, cafe and stuff. I mean, that if I could, I would consider that type of setup. And it's not too expensive or? No, in fact, it's cheaper than I was expecting. If anybody is listening from the co-working center, it's called ICNIG. I didn't say it's too expensive. Your price is just right. And I wouldn't possibly pay a, a cent more. No, really, it's it's really affordable. Yeah, that's good. Good for you, man. And uh, it's quite an interesting place. They're actually a incubator, possibly one of the bigger 
IT incub or software incubators in, in Spain. And they're kind of doing the co-working on the side as far as I can tell. And I think that means they're not actually needing the co-working to be profitable. So maybe they can cope in times of COVID a bit better than other co-working centers. Uh, well, I've, I've, I, know, I know that. They, they, I mean, they just moved into that facility, right? They used to have another one, and they were always super generous in terms of having uh, events and providing a space for events and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, they're one of the, the key drivers of the Barcelona tech scene. They also have a very good newsletter that comes out every week about what's going on in, in Barcelona. Okay. And they have, their own, they have their own podcast uh, where they interview people from the, uh, the Spanish tech scene. It's in Spanish, of course. Um, well, it's kind of weird because their newsletter is in English and usually the events are in English, but then they always do the podcast in Spanish. But this so, is the way it actually is in the co-working part of the operations. The written communications are in English, but people speak together in Spanish or perhaps Catalan. And um, it's, yeah, it's quite strange. Um, I'm actually appreciating the chance to practice a bit of Spanish um, with native speakers. So that's another benefit for me doing that. Oh, Good stuff, too. And have you noticed an increase in productivity? Um, no, but I haven't no, noticed a decrease either. But it's just, just healthy. It's healthy for being out of the home so that uh, if I hear my daughter making noises, whatever, I'm not distracted by that uh, and so on. Yeah, well, we've also had a big boost in productivity here because the kids are back at school. So uh, uh, that's been the big change. You changed my life. Um, Is your, and, uh, your your partner works from home? Uh, it, traditionally, she did not. Now with COVID, yes, she has started. Um, I think they can go to the office, and she actually has a private office there. But I guess she's going max kind of once a week or so. Okay. That's um, the whole new thing about working from home is it used to be something, if you're you know, in a relationship, you probably did it when your partner probably didn't. And suddenly we're like working from home together on top of each other when we don't have enough dedicated office space at home and so on. That I think would have its own challenges. Yeah. Yeah. It's when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's very bad. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So school's back in session, at least for now. And so summer is definitely over and getting into the rhythm of, you know, cranking through the projects and, and getting back into kind of a normal work routine after six days. Literally, school started almost six months of the day since um, since they had closed and switched to remote schooling. So, oh, I didn't it's, realize it's been, it's been a long break. Right. It, uh, wow. You know, and that whole time, you know, very unproductive, maximum at maximum kind of at 50%, I would say. So, so it's yeah. a long time to be having their kids at home all day, every day. As, as the as the saying goes, uh, Steve, the the days are long, the years are short. Cool. So, yeah. um, wow. Okay, well, that, that's quite interesting where people choose to work from, and uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in a similar situation of working from home and kind of being tempted by co-working, but it's kind of impractical for some of them, and COVID. Makes them unsure. We'll see how things evolve. I think I, I do know of, obviously, there are many uh, startup SaaS services out there that are booming now with this trend towards remote work, towards working from home. Um, I think it's going to be a radical change in kind of how at least some parts of society are structured with lots of follow-on implications. So, Yeah, and we will only find out with time. All this pontificating about how things might be 
we won't know. Like, uh, what was it that happened in the last few months? A huge rise in people making uh, sourdough bread at home. Who would have predicted that would be the outcome of a, one of the outcomes of a pandemic? A huge increase in people buying all the ingredients you need for sourdough bread. But it happened. Yeah. So, all right, Steve. Let's let's get in. Let's get into something a bit more substantive, though. You, I think it's time for another update on Saber feedback. The well, I could talk about sourdough bread, but I'd rather talk about Saber feedback. So, thank you for that segue. Yes. So, Saber feedback for those who came in late is a SaaS software as a service product I bought in end of March, beginning of April. So, I've had it now for almost six months. When I bought it, it was doing about four thousand dollars in revenue per month. And to cut to the chase, it's still doing about $4,000 in revenue per month. Now, in that one sentence summary is hidden a whole lot of detail. So ask me questions and I'll tell you the answers, Ed. Yeah. So, so first of all, how much of your time have you devoted to it? Obviously, we've had the pandemic. We, you were trapped in Australia. You have your other business. So, I mean... Do you feel like you've been able to even accomplish things you had hoped to accomplish in the first six months or have, has it gone a bit neglected? No, not at all. We have definitely accomplished what we set out to accomplish. And the important thing there is the we, that it's not just me. So I had two freelancers working with me on a kind of permanent basis or a regular basis. I had them lined up, ready to go as soon as the takeover happened. And even though I was stuck in a long way from home, they were able to work each day or two days a week each on it. And they've made great progress. They've been able to, yep. Doing what? What have been the tasks you've taken on? So almost the sole focus has been getting the content into order, getting the website into order. Uh, Last update I did about three months ago, I talked about how we had decided our plan was SEO, that we had the problem of no functioning channel for acquiring new customers. Uh, Traffic had got so low traffic of all sorts. And we decided that SEO was something we knew how to do, kind of. We knew how to make good content and we were going to focus on overhauling the site. And I have to say now, six months in, we've achieved that. We have managed to make the website way, way better. We've redesigned it, which is, uh, we've redesigned it to meet 2020 standards. Um, You know, websites even, they age strangely if you don't do anything to them. But we've also gone and contacted every single customer we could. I think we ended up hearing from about half of our customers and a couple of them agreed to be featured in case studies and others gave us um, helpful information via email. And we used that information to rewrite the homepage. They told us why they use Sabre feedback, what they like about it, what they would recommend about it, how they would describe it. And we used that to rewrite the homepage, rewrite a whole lot of content do these case studies I I mentioned and use it as a way to understand what content we need to add to the site. I'm just looking at the homepage now, Steve. I have to admit I haven't, uh, haven't checked it out in a while. It looks great. It looks much better. Well done. Thank you. Well, the well done doesn't go to me. The well done goes to, to Hannah and Stefano who together, Hannah did the content and sort of mocked up the concept she had for the homepage and then Stefano made it reality. Wow, we no really. I mean, good, good layout, good design. You got some testimonials here. You got uh, very nice. You got brand logos of customers. And so, have you seen any? You know, why? 
when did all this go live and why what, have you seen any reflection of all this progress in terms of the number of people coming to the site and the number of people doing trials obviously it doesn't sound like you've yet seen it in terms of number of customers because mr has stayed constant so yeah yeah which is kind of a problem but uh i'm expecting it to take a while you don't take a site that's kind of had its content neglected for a, a long time and change things instantly Google takes its time to really believe that you've you've changed your ways and sending you traffic. And as I said, that's the channel we're focusing on is the SEO, the traffic coming via Google. And we did these changes uh, iteratively. So for a while there, the homepage had the new design, but as soon as you clicked on anything else, it went to the old design, including a, a navigation that suddenly was different. And that, that wasn't right. great. Yeah, that's not good. But we were working within the, the uh, time and resources we had, and we figured... Look, no real harm was being done by doing that because we weren't getting traffic anyway. So what, what have we noticed already? We've noticed that uh, organic traffic, uh, traffic from Google searches, has about doubled from where it was in April. But that's also what I said uh, the last time I did one of these reports. So it means that in the last couple of months, our traffic hasn't really changed in quantity. But I will say in quality, it definitely has so we're now rank, we're getting less results for people searching for things that has nothing to do with our product. Okay. Uh, what was happening is uh, Matt, the previous owner, had a, a blog that he had updated, written on quite often for a few years. And it wasn't just about the product. It was also about his own experiences, uh, choosing a mail provider, choosing a, having problems with his computer's keyboard or what he thought about GDP, GDPR and so on. And we were getting traffic for this stuff. The thing is, these people coming in weren't looking for a feedback button for their website. So it was pointless traffic. So what we've managed to do is, well, we've deleted a lot of almost all the blog pages and web pages that had nothing to do with what Sabre feedback is. And we've now started to notice Google is not sending us traffic for those irrelevant search terms and is instead sending us traffic for the search terms we actually care about. Okay, so that's a, that's a bit of progress. It is what, a bit of progress. What do you think is holding people off from becoming customers? Though? Well, the, in absolute terms, we're still getting very little traffic. So I uh, talk about it being better than it was, but it's still, in absolute terms, way, way, way too low. We're getting about 300 visitors via Google per month. That's right, per month. So, And it's only this month now that we're speaking in September 2020 uh, 2020. It's only this month we were starting to see the um, trial signups finally increase. Okay, well, um, that's good. We're well on path to do more than 20 trial signups this month. Again, that number's way, way too low, and it should be like five or ten times that. But that's where we are at, and I'm all for slow incremental improvements. So if we can get like 20 something signups this month, and next month 20 something times 10 percent. And maybe in a year's time, we're getting 50 and a year after that, 100. That's good. Any, um, any surprising learnings in your conversations with the customers? Anything that is different than you expected? Yeah. So one customer, when asked why they chose us, they said because we were clearly GDPR compliant, which kind of implies that the options they were looking at weren't uh, claiming to be GDPR compliant. I find that a mouthful. So this, this triggered something in my head thinking, 
maybe that's something we should make more of a selling point of. Maybe well, we should mention to clearly on our top navigation that we are the GDPR solution for people who want a feedback button on their website. Yeah, I, well, I definitely think that's a, there are some people that that's a big uh, concern for. Um, so, you know, how big that group is, is up for debate, but, but we definitely see that with some of our customers or there. And what was it that made it clear that you're GDPR compliant? I mean, did you have some text about that or it's just the fact that it's a European business? I don't know. I have to be honest. I don't know. They became a, a customer in the past and uh, we, I didn't get the chance. Well, I didn't actually conduct the interview and I don't think Hannah got the chance to go in that deep, but that's actually a really good question. And I'd like to know how they knew that we were GDPR compliant. We certainly mentioned it on the website. We mention it more now. It's one of the things I did personally. It was I rewrote the uh, GDPR policy. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, as as the owner of a European business, this is you know you got to play to your strengths, and one strength is that as a European business, by definition, you have to be GDPR compliant, whether you like it or not. And so uh, you might yeah. as well might try as well to turn it people. into a positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so what we want to do next is finally work out why those customers who are becoming trial customers aren't becoming paid customers. I think uh, we need to take a very close look at our onboarding sequence, the, you know, the, the sign-up flow and the uh, emails you get and the experience of the first time using it and see what we can do to improve that. But I didn't want to do that in the first six months. I realized that the number one problem we had was that we were not getting people to come into our website. Not that they weren't signing up for trial customers. The problem was they weren't even coming to our website. And until gotcha. we solved that, I just couldn't see the point into doing anything else. It was just a distraction from what was the most important thing. I've heard, I've heard different opinions on this. Should you start by trying to fix the top of the funnel or should you start by fixing the bottom of the funnel and then working your way up? Um, you know, I don't know. I guess there are different approaches. So I kind of agree with the approach that you've taken of start with the top because things like SEO changes, they take so long to have an effect. So you might as well knock those out first. Yeah. And then you have the time to fix the, you know, the conversion and stuff because you're going to be you know, waiting on the SEO anyway. So, um, there is so one, one big SEO um, undertaking, actually, I didn't mention. We finding that our, our niche is, our market is very competitive and there's companies with big funding who are just churning up lots of content. So it's quite hard to compete with them head on. But we did find one search phrase that kind of looked like the results in Google were weak and that we could do better and that would actually give send a reasonable quantity of people to our website. And that search term is feedback button. So we wrote hmm. this, again, I say we, but I had little to do with it. We wrote this uh, very long page about feedback buttons, what they are, what they do, different styles, who, who the major suppliers of them are. Yes, we linked up to our competitors uh, and so on. Um, how to get the best use out of them and so on. And uh, that we've already seen start going up in the Google rankings. And in some countries, we're now on the front page of Google for the search term feedback button. In the biggest markets, we're still on page two. But uh, so I'm happy with the progress of that. We've gone up quite quickly. And I want to focus our efforts on improving the performance of that page and getting it up in the Google rankings even more. Oh, well done. 
Well done, then. Yeah, I'm just looking at your 2020 definitive guide to feedback buttons. That's the one. Uh, yeah, I can't say just, I'm 100% happy with the title, but yeah, all these things are work in progress. God, who knew you could write 10 pages about <laughs> feedback buttons? Good Lord. <laughs> okay. Well done. Well done, man. What Hannah's done with that is she's looked at what the 10 top results in Google were for feedback button, and she's tried to include bits of everything that of all those 10 results into our page. Yeah, who knew you could write so much stuff, but turns out you can. And frankly, uh, we've got a whole lot more content ideas that could build on top of that. Well, all right, that's okay. go for it. How have you personally found juggling having two products? How is how how is that? I mean, I guess it's, you've also been you know trapped on the other side of the world and and had a few other things going on, so maybe it's hard to draw a clear line. But um, to be perfectly what's your honest, first impression? to be perfectly honest, there I have been times when I've been taking my daily walk in the neighborhood where I've thought to myself, was that a mistake to take on a second product when the first one was also pretty time consuming? Um, however, if I look at it. If I try to put on my rational, non-emotional brain, I'm very happy with the, the situation. The fact that I've made a decision from day one to uh, let other people do most of the work to delegate, um, it's going well, and I'm going to keep doing that. And this was also part of why I acquired it. I wanted the um, to have put myself in the discipline of relying on other people and not trying to take on everything myself and be an expert in everything, which you just can't be, and so on. Um, one problem we have had lately that has been time consuming, which is what has had me thinking perhaps I shouldn't have taken it on, is our attempt to upgrade the infrastructure. So we're on a version of Ubuntu on um, some hosting company whose name I can't remember, Linode. So we're on a version of Ubuntu that's no longer supported that's running a version of PHP that's no longer supported, that's running, that uses MySQL, a version that's also no longer supported. And we've got mm. to upgrade all of this. And it actually turns out it's quite tricky to do it all and to make sure you have minimal downtime and test it all thoroughly. And we've hit a bit of a barrier there. Uh, but again, I've got a system administrator working on it for me. And again, I'm glad I've delegated it because this is a chance for him to really learn very, very well exactly what our infrastructure is and what the problems are and things to, to be aware of in his ongoing monitoring. Yeah, there's nothing really you can do there besides bite the bullet and spend the time to upgrade and, and get get everything on the current version. And then I would I would really encourage you to have the discipline to have a regular schedule every three months, every six months or whatever to, to spend the time to stay current. Wasn't that one of your top up. tips for bootstrappers from that, late last year? That is year? indeed one of my top tips. And actually, this month, um, we've also been spending a lot of time upgrading things. Also, to the newest version of Ubuntu. Um, so actually hoping that we see some performance gains. I mean, upgrading is kind of a pain, and it's always a little nerve-wracking. But then there are times you have the pleasant surprise that all of a sudden everything works better or faster you know, with no effort on your part. So, But doesn't that make you nervous? Like when that oh, happens, yeah. you think like, surely something went wrong. This is this is not how the universe works. My infrastructure upgrade should not have gone smoothly. Something bad is about to happen. No, I think on the whole, software keeps getting so much better. I mean, the 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 whole thing now it's so much better than it used to be in terms of 
smooth uh, upgrading and you know now it's like you run a few commands and unless you're doing something out of the ordinary things should just work and i can't like like honestly with your feedback button yeah you know this isn't really you know you're not splitting the atom here right? it's basically <laughs> a little widget people can enter some text the text goes into a database yeah i mean this isn't rocket science right and you know this so. is this is intentional that i have such products i don't want a split the atom type product i want something that's actually pretty ordinary technology when all you do is do it well and do good marketing. And instead of having to write some really complicated code and worry about hard problems, I'm past that. Well, that's just it. I mean, I would be shocked if it would it would be alarming if these upgrades cause significant problems to your system because I don't know why they should. I mean, you're using these very basic systems like PHP and a database yeah. like MySQL and it's text processing. You shouldn't really be having problems there. So. Yeah, right. There may be some minor syntax changes or something. Or exactly. Whatever. The the um well they speed bumps as Rob Walling said sometime last year. They're not roadblocks. They're speed bumps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's one more thing we've done on Saber that I should mention, and I that was to commission a security audit. Uh, that's now right. been done. We've got the results. It was a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, actually, more than that maybe about two and a half thousand euros, I think, and money well spent, really. I identified <coughs> some problems that I know we should address, some minor, some slightly less minor, slightly more major. And this is part of me being able to put together a security page on our yeah. website saying what we do and actually making sure we do it. One of them is regular security audits and implementing the recommendations. Well, I, I think that whole angle, the privacy security angle is one you could really, I mean, first of all, I think in terms of in general, it, it's a it's an issue society is becoming more aware of, you know, now with um, in the newest version of, of um, Apple's operating systems and stuff, you know, they're starting to block all the trackers and things like that. Like, I think it's, it's a topic people are getting, people want to feel safe and secure. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, pushing hard on this GDPR thing, on security, I think it can be a way you can really differentiate. So, Not only is it good for marketing, but I think it's actually a good practice because there's people trying to hack websites all the time, running all oh, types God, of scanner yeah. tools endlessly. Feature upvote is just every day under attack. Uh, and luckily, we've, we've got the good things in place to help prevent that. But you see the logs, it's, it's relentless. And sure. Yeah, if you've got security holes, people are going to find them. You want to find them before the bad guys do or the script kiddies do. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, good work, Steve. Sometimes, it sounds like you've you've done a lot of the groundwork that's now needed to, you know, prepare for growth. That's uh, what it's, I, I feel. It's probably a little frustrating that you haven't seen even a slight growth yet, but, yeah, you know, It is frustrating. I, and deep down, I wanted things to just take off quickly and amazingly uh but i was ready for it to be a long time for it to be at least a year until i start seeing solid results and hey who knows maybe i never get them there's no guarantee with this stuff so have you have you lost any customers or did you did you i'm just looking at the site again now i, I really like it did you change you. the logo we made a slight tweak to it. Um, All right. Right. Why do you ask? Do you remember it being different? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I vaguely remember it being different. I don't, yeah. What you see in the logo was 
was part of a much bigger logo that was used in some places. And we just decided for consistency to have the same thing everywhere. Uh, we've also tried to call it Sabre Feedback in our copy as much as possible instead of just Sabre. And that's because right. Sabre is a massive piece of software used by the airline industry. And oh, right, of course. Um, we occasionally get support emails for Sabre, <laughs> the airline industry, and we have to tell them, like, you've probably got the wrong company. Uh, these questions you're asking don't make any sense to us, but they probably would make sense to Sabre. But uh, one thing I realized, Sabre is hard to spell because uh, mm. it's, it's kind of misspelled on your site, right? It's, 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 you spell it as like Sabre yeah. so instead of S-A-D-R-E, right? It's got the American spelling. Is it how Americans spell like the Sabre, the sword? But I don't, I don't know, think actually. Americans no. spell it that way. I mean, so, first of all, I'm not sure there's that much use of the Sabre in the, in the sense of a sword in, in general day-to-day. <laughs> Well, perhaps in your circle, Zed, but, you know, I, I still honor the values of an earlier day, age. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the name uh, is actually supposed to be Spanish. Uh, when Matt, the previous owner, came up with that name, he picked Saber, which is Spanish for to know or knowledge. Right, right, of course. Yeah. Of course, that doesn't register in the minds of anybody who doesn't speak Spanish, and that's the name of God, and I'm, I don't think it's worth changing it. Uh, no, Okay especially with the SEO approach where we're just wanting people to search for feedback button or feedback widget or how do I get feedback Yeah, no, I don't think you should, you should change the name of the company. That, that's a huge project for no real benefit. So Yeah. So like you said, we've got the early groundwork in place. It's what I really feel like. And I think we're in a position now where we can really start working on solving problems such as why are people not buying the product. Give us your, wait, wait, let, so let's look forward three months. So by the end of the year, right, on, on January 1st, 2021, what would be kind of your best case scenario, your realistic case scenario, and your worst case scenario for Saber Feedback? So worst case is we still don't get customers signing up and we continue to lose them. Oh, you asked the question just back where we have lost two customers in the six months of having it, which is churn I can live with. It's very low. So the uh, worst case scenario is that that keeps happening. Every couple of months, we lose a customer. We don't get new ones. Yeah. Best case is we start seeing traffic grow significantly. And as a result, trial signups grow significantly. And as a result of that, paying customers start coming in multiple numbers each month. But realistically, I think if we start getting one new paid customer per month at this stage, that, that's already progress at an average um, revenue per customer of about 80 so I can I can live with our, our revenue growing that slowly for now. We've seen it starts proving that things are actually correct. You've actually got the product people want with the marketing and can it's start really accelerating. It's such a long game, man. Have you, yeah. have you had, found any difficulty in keeping the team motivated you know, without this kind of external validation of new customers? Yeah. You, know, you as the owner, yeah. it, you, as, you seem to have a very mature mindset and take the long-term view, but I could imagine for... You know, for like people who worked on building this beautiful new site, and mm. they put their, you know, they clearly did hard work and 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 put, you know, it really looks nice. And then they flip the switch, and nothing happens. It's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, that is a, a real issue. And I've been doing my best to to remind people that it's a long game. That when your traffic in Google has been dropping for so long and got so low, you can't expect it to pick up again overnight. Uh, unless unless you're like the most brilliant person at SEO and you've got like a strong team able to really 
quite strong at being a large team, able to move things very quickly. It's just, you have to be patient. I just keep reminding people and making it clear that's my expectations and that I'm not at all, that I'm completely happy with the way things are going. I just keep saying this because it is the case. And I think it's, you have to communicate this stuff over and over to keep Mm. people motivated. So we do, we are now changing our approach and uh, our focus to, to the onboarding and so on and a few product changes in the next three months or six months, perhaps. Well, I wish you every success there. Good luck, you and your team. Thank you. Um, yeah, and, and obviously we look forward to the next update. So let's do it again in a couple of months. That would be awesome. So let's finish up for today. Before we go, I just want to ask people listening, if you're not a subscriber, why don't you subscribe? It's easy. Just go to our homepage, bootstrapped.fm, and you'll see there button to subscribe with Overcast, with Apple Podcasts, with Spotify, via RSS if you're still using that. And you can even give us your email address. We're running an email list every week. I email people about the new episode. You know, email is the true survivor in this this internet. So please subscribe or ask your friend to subscribe. All right. Take it easy, Steve. You too, Ed. Bye. Bye, everyone. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm.